everybody to episode 6 of the Turf Monsters podcast. Today we'll be reviewing the Oklahoma State versus Tulsa game. Of course, OSU won that game 26 to 20 or 28 to 23. <laughs> um he well, first let's talk about Spencer Sanders. His first game back, um he went 15 of 26, 173 yards, one touchdown, a very bad interception. But he also had 10 carries, 62 yards, and was the team's leading rusher, which is both a good and bad thing. Um, Sadiq, what did you see from the uh, the Cowboys QB1? Yeah, Spencer coming back, the, the production obviously wasn't as clean and nice as you saw with Shane Ellingworth. But again, it would like we said after the game, it'd be a mistake to just look at his production and assume Shane Ellingworth was just, you know, is gonna be the better quarterback or is the better quarterback. Because he had a you know, he had a tougher situation. He had a better defense, a much better defense. A talented Tulsa defense that started in the front, and that's why you saw him under pressure a lot more. He was able to escape and extend some plays. That's why you saw the rushing yards go up. Um, but obviously, he had his struggles, the interception being one of them. He missed, uh, you know, a pass here and there, a little inaccurate. But he, he was throwing some dimes, honestly. Like some of those passes were very clean and on point, and that part was definitely impressive. You, you saw the impact of having the extra legs and the zone read game and opening up the run game just a little bit. Obviously, it struggled still, but I thought overall it was, it was good to get him back for this game. Right. Um, you mentioned the O-line play. They kind of shifted up a little bit. Uh, they had Cole Birmingham over at uh, left tackle. Preston Wilson started out right guard. Obviously, Hunter Woodard still hurt, so he's not in there. Um, but I I liked how Switzer played. You know, I, I, like we said, his production on paper didn't look very good. But um, they didn't throw as much as they did with Shane. Um they had a lot of dropped balls. Gunny alluded to that a lot today in his press conference. Um, a lot of young receivers. And so his he didn't have the weapon Shane had with him with Tate right. Martin, Brayden Johnson. And the like his running aspect of the game is more important than anything else to the Cowboy offense. And, and the way that, you know, Spencer operates, as he's gone on, he's become a much better pocket passer. But he obviously has those legs. But... Mm-hmm. You're right. Early on, I think he only ran, uh, passed the ball four times yeah, in the passed, first quarter. Yeah. They one were for, one for four, I right? Think, and I like th- twenty-five yards. They were obviously trying to commit to the run game and start mm-hmm. that up because sometimes you know you have a few negative plays, you can't just go away from it. They try to establish it, which against Missouri State, they obviously had to go away from that, and that they had, took away from some of it. And then once you couldn't establish that, that that you know changes up the offense, changes up how the pass rushers are for Tulsa, and that's why with Spencer, you saw some of those things get a little dicey, but. Um, yeah, overall, I liked it. He definitely had some nice plays where he improvised and he created some. Like we saw on the rushing play, which obviously it was a fumble, but, you know, just that play in itself was pretty telling. Um, and, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it was – the O-line was interesting. I thought after watching that Missouri State game, the big takeaway was Taylor Materko, Caleb B. Mm-hmm. on the left side. You know, a lot of guys struggled with uh, blocking, I think. But that side, the left tackle, a few times there were um, – lost blocks and that's why the run game kind of stuttered so i thought maybe that was why gundy talked about how the matchup going against three gigantic you know defensive mm-hmm. linemen that's a rarity and that's why charlie dickey put you know shift around the o-line a little bit i wonder if that'll stick or what the deal was but yeah i mean the pass protection wasn't as good as it was against missouri state but you gotta consider you know obviously the change personnel but more so than anything just how big those guys are jake springfield was pretty good in the first game against missouri state mm-hmm. he got pushed around a lot more but you know when you're going up against you know jackson player or colin wick or stevenson these are some big bodies who are able to just go one-on-one even two-on-one they're able to break through so that part is definitely tough but i think spencer played you know definitely did show some things he had some tough moments but overall i think it was good yeah, you know, I think uh, a big part of it was that offensive line, like Sadiq said, they, there was improvement. And that's what you saw, and I think part of that was moving around some of those pieces. I don't think Maturko or Etienne is ready to step into that starting role. 
So I think moving some pieces around, getting somebody there, somebody else over there at left tackle was uh, a pretty important p- part of it because, like you said, Spencer is more vital than Shane in that he is mobile. He can run the ball. He proved that. And even then, you know, the, those, the running backs were still able to get going. They were, they were still able to make plays. There was, you know, improvement on last week where that was the big concern. That's what everybody was scared about. Only 54 rushing yards against an FCS team. You know, that, that, that's the big thing that what, – what, what did they finish with, 140, Chris? Yeah, something like that. They had more yards, but it still wasn't a great running performance. Still a lot of kinks. And in a lot of ways, the O-line kind of regressed. I know, at least pass blocking-wise. I know I talked about this with Sadiq yesterday over text. Um, the pass blocking was the, for week one was elite. You know, Shane had all day long. Mm-hmm. And yesterday – or Saturday – Spencer was running for his life a lot of the time. You know, yep. he had no time in the pocket to sit back there. It was a bunch of three-step drop and then just throw it up and, you know, hope a receiver gets to where he needs to be because he had no time. And, and a lot of that is credit to the Tulsa uh, front three and their uh, their ability to create that pressure. But also a lot of it relies on the OSU's O-line of how they move those pieces around to help the run game and try to lessen the impact of these big guys up front for Tulsa. But it hurt the pass game. Um, and I know, Sadiq, you've mentioned if you wonder how if it's going to stick uh, going forward. Uh, Cole Birmingham is listed as starting left tackle on Oklahoma State's depth chart going into Boise. And Hunter Woodard's listed as right guard, uh, like he has been the whole year. But Preston Wilson is now his backup instead of the backup center. And it, it, we can't overstate, you mentioned this before, Chris, Tay Martin's absence. Because this guy is a bona fide number mm-hmm. one right now. The way he runs routes, his speed, his athleticism, his ability to take high point balls is, you know, unmatched. Obviously, you saw some of that with Jaden Bray and Blaine Green and such. But this guy is a complete receiver, and it helps mm-hmm. your entirety when he's able to get open. And even when he's not, you're able to just throw it up to him. Uh, that's what you want from a number one receiver. Spencer obviously didn't have that. He They were trying to force feed Brennan Presley. And a lot of times, they were getting him on passes that they didn't don't usually try to. Throwing up some of those fifty, not fifty fifty balls to him, but say, but he had to. His strength is not contested catches. The strength is when he gets the ball in space, he is a menace, right? His speed, his elusiveness, his, his just athleticism is breathtaking. And you, you, they usually want to get him on jet sweeps on different scheme plays. But Mike Gundy talked about how difficult, how they weren't hitting up those scheme plays. It's those fifty fifty balls you throw up. And like Gundy said, they're not lucky, but they aren't something you rely on every single play. And that's kind of how OSU had to with the way that they were struggling the run game and the pass game. And that's that's why you saw, I think, I mean, you call it inefficiency, right? I think he had 10 targets, only four receptions for 35 yards. That's not what you expect from Presley. Mm-hmm. He's a guy, when he has a ball in his hands, he's dangerous. But that's why you saw so many struggles right. left and right with right. that. And Presley had a few drops of his own, too. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of those were contested balls, because right. that's, that's really not his strength. And um, But we mentioned Tay Martin's absence quite a bit. Um, we'll talk about the freshman receivers had to stand into his role. Two freshman receivers got touchdown passes for Oklahoma State this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaden Bray caught a really good one. Where he was kind of, he I think he caught the ball at the five, broke a tackle, and then just scampered his way into the end zone. And then Bryson Green had an acrobatic catch uh, in the le- in the b- uh, front corner of the end zone to tie the game back up at 21. Um, right after Tulsa had gut punched OSU and taken the lead, so these freshman guys had to step in, and they had to step in and learn on the fly because none of them were listed as starters in the first week Jeff's chart. Bryson was a backup to his brother Blaine, who got who was hurt. Uh, Jaden Bray was Tay Martin's backup, who was hurt. Uh, John Paul Richardson played uh, played some snaps. Mm-hmm. He was Brennan Presley's backup. Langston Anderson, who was Braden Johnson's backup, who was also they are both hurt. So you have to, you have to see a lot of guys step into roles that they're not normally playing, and just kind of learn on the fly. And that's what we saw a lot. You know, there are a lot of drop balls like we keep mentioning. 
because I mean we keep mentioning because that was a very big part of the offense. Every time there'd be a big play or like a chance at a big play, it seemed like the ball got dropped and OSU's momentum would would like just cease to exist. And that was the thing. It's it's there's so much youth. You saw so many of those crucial plays that aren't gonna show up on a statue. Yeah, they made some great plays. They really did. Um, but they also missed blocks here and there, right? And that's why on some of these screenplays or different plays, they're not uh, able to develop. They might not get to the same, you know, concept of which they want to do. And that's why you saw a lot of the offense become very uneven. But I'll say this: the plays that they were able to make, the you know, the acrobatic catches, those things, you'd almost rather they be able to do that and not and trying to fail on the other stuff, assuming that they don't play, right? Like when Casey Dunn said, you know, these are guys six what six freshman receivers. Yeah. These are guys who should be the backups and you know learning and stepping in making a play here and there and then by their sophomore year you know later in this year that's when you really see them show out but that wasn't the case here and i think it, it was it was good for them and that's why because they were that playmaking ability here and there is why there was so much um i guess that's why it helped this offense move at all but also that's why you see the offense you know down so much i don't think it's on spencer really i think it's just the youth at so many different positions, including Cowboy back. But that's I think that's what it had to do with a lot of it. You know, I think, and maybe I'm in a very small minority when I say this, but I think come next year, when you're talking about these guys, is the same way we talk about the O-line this year. You got a lot of these younger guys getting just thrown out there, thrown yeah. in the fire through injuries. And, yeah, they're going to make mistakes. They're freshmen. You know, that you can beat that, you know, you can continue to hit they're young. They're going to make mistakes. That's how they're going to learn. But now look at the O-line. The O-line coming in, it was very, there was a lot of hype behind it because now you had everybody back from injury. And on top of that, you had a bunch of guys who already had experience. So I think that, that that's something to watch to me. I know it doesn't necessarily relate to this game or even games down the road, but I feel like there's some similarities there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah honestly, I, I could say I think it's a pretty apt comparison, yeah. right? Um, the only difference is but the O-line was so much more crucified because that's where it starts and you can't block there, you can't pass receivers. But I think that's a perfect example, Dean, because from that, that's why you see some good things, right? You see some promise, but you also see so much youth and that's that's why you're in the overall boat. Like I said, the plays that don't aren't going to show up on a stat sheet, that's where you lose out with, you know, having so much youth. Right. And speaking on that, uh, on Dean's comparison, I was talking with some people over the weekend after the game and you look at this receiving core and... It kind of, OSU's made its money on great receiving cores uh, and great receivers. Um, you know, a lot of people say that OSU has an argument for wide receiver Hugh. I, there's there's one to be had. Sure. Um, and if you look at the room they have now, it kind of reminds me of that room with James Washington, Chris Lacey, Marcel Aitman, and it's all these guys who are now in the NFL. Um, where this is the, the it kind of reminds me of the, this freshman room we have that OSU has. Um, you have Bright the Green Twins. You have Brennan Presley. You have John Paul Richardson. You have Jaden Bray. You have all these freshmen that are, you know, have a lot of like have a lot of um, upside, mm -hmm. and they're getting a lot of experience early. And here in like two years, when these guys are all juniors and Brennan's a senior, this room's gonna be like that room could be insane, and could be one of the top in the country. I feel like yeah, and, especially with receivers that OSU's still recruiting. So I think as these guys grow, I think this this group of freshmen could be. 
one of the top receiving groups of the country two, three years down the road. Right. There's so much raw talent. That's why you see it with the the jump balls that they come down with, the athleticism, right? Like you talked about the Jaden Bray catch, just went up there, caught it, broke a tackle. Like there's so much raw ability, but that's the thing. It's raw ability. There's so much more in a playing receiver than just having those attributes, having those hands. There's nuanced things with running into an offense, right? That's why, you know, quarterbacks don't just go in the NFL who are stupid talented and just mm-hmm. um, already just excel because there are other nuances and things with playing, you know, either the receiver position or understanding the offense and those sorts of things. That's why Tamar and Brendan Presley really didn't do much till late in last year. It's not just always about your talent. And I think you're right. In a few years, this could be, you look back at just some of these receivers, there's obviously so much all around. Yeah. Um, I guess we've kind of touched on a little bit the O-line. Um, Dean, your, what's your takeaway with this new look O-line for OSU with Birmingham on the outside? I mean, I kind of shared my thoughts. You know, I think the run game definitely took a step forward, but when you're going up against guys like Player and I forget the other guy's name on that Tulsa D line, uh, Ty- Tyrese Stevenson, Stevenson. is a giant nose tackle. Yeah, uh, you know the pat like like you said, Chris. There was regression when it came to pass blocking. I think there was improvement when it came to run blocking, and you know that's why you're playing these quote easier opponents because you want to work out the kinks. Mm-hmm. And so I think they're still trying to find that happy medium of what the what the best lineup to go forward with is, but um. I think I think it's getting there. In my opinion, it is. I don't know. You guys can disagree with me on that. So, I, I mean, yeah, I, I'll agree with that 100%. You're right. It, it's definitely a pass block blocking took a step backward. But, it, again, I take it with a grain of salt, like you said, because of, you know, the guys that you're going up against. I think the run blocking, again, wasn't immensely crazy better, but it was definitely better. And you saw them get a little bit more pushes, get a few yards here and there. Obviously, there are plays where they get negative, and they went backwards. But and there are plays where Jalen Warren just, you know, shows his raw ability to just – um, it was a greatly drawn play. <laughs> and, and that's the thing, right? You just – sometimes your running back saves you, but the O-line's still working out, Kings. They're trying to figure out how they're going to operate. I'm sure Charlie Dickey's moving guys around. So it's not a talent problem. It really isn't. But mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting as we go on and on and see what's what. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree. Uh, I take the pass rocking regression with a grain of salt, but I also still look at it and, like, if they continue to regress, then at one point – you just gonna have anything. Um, the O line did kind of they did better run blocking. I think a lot of it is more. You look at the yardage. Sixty two of that is Spencer Sand is Spencer Sanders. So you take that away, and they're still under hundred yards running back wise. Right. Um, they did better, not much, but it was better. Um, but pass blocking has to be better. Uh, I, but I think that also happens because you have a slower guy now on the outside uh, in Cole Birmingham, who's bigger, but he's also slower mm-hmm. than some of these guys. So. They have to take, you know, that into account. And there was one block in the first drive of the game where Cole Birmingham literally let a guy go untouched. Yeah, that, that's so, one where I just looked. I said, "All right, did he forget to put that? He yeah, was playing like, tackle. Yeah, like he I, just yeah, double teamed the inside. Just that he's got to learn. He he played a whole game at guard his first game. I think I don't think he played tackle at all last year. So you're moving on. He to barely the played last now. year. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, yeah. He broke his bone in the leg in the first game. So like he definitely didn't play. Um, so it's something he's got to learn. Got to get back into it. But. I think it'll improve. We saw it improve last year towards the end of the season. So if it can consistently get consistently get better, then I think it's it's good. But uh, real quick, I do want to pose a question to both of you guys. Um, just answer it as you will. Um, what's wrong with this offense? Because <laughs> I, I think we both we can all three agree it's not what they uh, Casey Dunn, the players, Mike Gundy. They were all kind of hyping up this offense throughout the year. Of, yep. We're going to score some points. Um, they scored 28 and 23 points. So. I think I think a lot of that has to do with the youth, and you lose Tay Martin, that's already an issue. 
I think it's it's when you look at those passing plays, like I said, the ones that hit are the ones that aren't drawn up a certain concept. Like you saw more of it against Missouri State when they ran a lot of the Smash Mouth concept. That's where or Smash concept rather. That's where you saw Tay Martin get on that outside corner and score, or he cut on those 50-50 balls. But they, it was it was drawn up that way. And I, and then you're gonna hit your 50-50 fades, right? The slot fade that we, we saw to Jaden Bray. You're gonna see some of that. But I think it's the fact that they just aren't executing what they're doing. The things are right. The offense is good. It's not Casey Dunn's fault. It's not a play caller's fault. The things are schemed up the same no matter who the OC is but I think it's the youth that's the big thing that it, it takes time right and then there's the things you just figure out like like Gundy said that's why you get paid to be coaches but I think a youth has a lot to do with it and you know at some t- point between now and the end of the season it's gonna it's gonna flip it's just gonna be a switch things are gonna get better and I don't know when it'll be it just obviously depends on the guys but these guys have been in the program for so long I think that's one of the benefits right they've came in early and they already were in this um, since, since spring I think and having that's definitely luxury for these guys and I think that's going to show improvement but the youth definitely was a big thing yeah so uh, Sadiq gave the actual answer there so I'm not just going to take what he said and say it myself so I'm just going to add some other takes to it I think the ball needs to go to Barry Sanders 2.0 more often Jalen Warren oh my god <laughs> you see him juking out there Chris that's Barry Sanders yeah, uh, I, I, I think I prefer Jalen Jukes Warren <laughs> but that's just me Jeez, I mean, come on, that kid was fun to watch. I can't call him a kid. No, I guess he's older than me. I, I do love Jalen Warren. That's something I've been seeing since the first game. I mean, he established himself as the number two just from that Missouri State game, and you already saw him taking snaps above Desmond Jackson behind L.D. Brown, and you see why quickly. With the ball in his hands, even though he stands at, what, 5'8", five, 5'9", five, he's got great contact balance. He rarely, You can rarely bring him off arm tackles. He's fast. He's elusive. He's a menace in the open field, and... As a great as a receiver as well. He's yeah, getting him the ball. Dominic Richardson as well. Yeah, I think um, looking at it as we sit right now on September 13th at 3.43 at, in the afternoon, I think Jalen Warren's RB1 with Dominic at RB2 going into so far from what I've seen this year. LD has not played his best. It looks like he kind of he went back to LD before last year where he was kind of more patient in the backfield and not just not just running at like at the first hole he sees. He's kind of waiting back and he's not as, aggress- as aggressive as he was last year, which saw him have success. And he has not had the success this year a lot large part due to the O-line. Um, but I think right now Jalen Warren and Dominic are my, my top look, two. Look, I still I still think LD is number one for many reasons, including the fact that he's the best pass protection guy. He's an excellent pass protection, something no one ever talks about. But he's great there, and he's obviously a great runner. You saw the speed on the kickoff return. He hasn't lost it. He gave, became very uh, patient last year with his runs, and he was became he just you know put on so much weight and he's this physical runner who breaks off tackles and i think that's what helps and that's why you saw a few positive runs here and there the o-line's the issue it's it's any of these guys can make a play the way jalen warren did we've seen it from dominic richardson we've seen it from desmond jackson we've seen it from ld brown it's just it's it's almost a luck of a draw when you're going to see it but all these guys are capable all the same so i think just having that 1a 1b between brown and warren is going to help but in the end it always starts from the o-line which is what we've been talking about since missouri's take game look all i'll say when Casey Dunn, post game, says he's one of the most violent players on the team, you'd think you'd want to see a little bit more yeah. Dominic Richardson out there. <laughs> and because, I mean, he, he made some big plays. That fourth and one, 
he converted. I he took a couple hits and kept going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this is my thing with Dominic Richardson. Yeah, everyone kept calling him a speed back, but whenever you'd watch him last year, especially against Baylor, I look at him more as a power back. But he's he's not a power back per se. But he's a violent runner who's able to who puts a shoulder down and r- trucks through people. <laughs> he's the best. I think he has the most power among all four of these running backs, and he gives you that. He's got great speed. He doesn't have a lot of wiggle in the open field when he gets to second level, but that's okay because he he does a lot of great things. He's a great one cut runner, and I think. You're right, you get him more carries, especially when he was playing the way he did last week. I'm just saying. No good. I've been calling it since high school, and we're going to move on from there. Um, but in lost in all this offensive talk we've had this whole podcast is how good Osher's defense played yet again. And I know a lot of people, including some people in this building that we're in, did not think that Osher's defense played that great against Missouri State. Um, they're wrong, simply put. Um, but... Um, they played really good against Tulsa on Saturday. Um, had a lot of key stops again. Um, got punched in the mouth a couple times by some long Davis Bren runs or long throw, but rebounded nicely. They, a lot of bend don't break scenarios for them. Um, they only broke a couple times. Um, only gave up 16 points, so they've yet to give up more than 20 points in a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they played really well. The, the goal line. I go back to that goal line stand. Yep. Um, and Malcolm, and obviously Malcolm Rodriguez. Look, there's only so many dimes you can bring up or hold an offense down. I think I looked at this yesterday. The first seven possessions Tulsa had, all punts, and none of them went longer than 27 yards. That that is an elite mark, right? You finally give up a touchdown on a finally an 80 yard drive. I mean, after two and a half quarters of holding that down, when your offense is struggling the way it is, to do that once is impressive, right? And then. After that, the next drive, that goal line stand you're talking about, they they let Tulsa's offense drive all the way down. You know they struggled against up tempo a little bit, but even it went went. What do I always say? It's not just about having talented pieces for anywhere. It's about making plays when they're timely. That's what makes this defense special, right? They do both. They obviously suffocate you in the whole scenarios, but when it's really needed, when Spencer Sanders throws a pick or there's a turnover and the defense is up against the wall, they don't just break. They will hold you down, right? And a lot of times they'll force the turnover that's what's so great about this defense but yeah overall i think they played well the yards are definitely deceiving the points can be deceiving because of how many times osu did not sustain drives on offense and then had to punt the ball back and that team had um and then tulsa had the ball again right i mean that's that's the sketchy thing here but they're they're simply just making plays out there they're causing a lot of things obviously they they gave up a little a few things here and there but um they weren't very far off on a lot of these plays, like pass coverage, whatever it was. So I think it was it was a impressive thing. And that and in the end, it's it's a holistic scope. It's the fact that this is a almost defense oriented team the past two games where without that this defense, there's no chance you win this game, which is mm-hmm. craziness when you think about OSU and their explosive offenses over the years. Yeah. Dean. I think the the question we need to start asking ourselves. Because it's almost known that this defense is always going to show out. This defense is always going to do something. I I just want to know everybody's thoughts on, like, where does Jim Knowles 425 defense rank? Like, I mean, this has to be one of the best defenses OSU has ever had, right? Oh, easily. easily. You know? There's got, I think a lot of this has to fall on coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, and it's no not, doubt. not just Jim Knowles, but, you know, um, who's the quarterback? Tim Duffy? You know, Cornerback, yep. Talk about Tim Duffy, talk about Greg Mitch, Richmond, yep. Joe, Bo- Joe Bob. Yep, all the guys. 
And I agree with you 100% because when you look at why you have the best third down defense in the country last year, obviously you have the personnel, but it's the scheming, right? It's the fact that, and they don't just go cover zero aggressive every single play. They'll, they might bring seven guys down and fool you. They'll pull a stunt. They'll, you know, drop guys out. They'll bring guys late, delayed blitzes. They, they will do so many things to fool you and they'll have tight coverage. And then it's the personnel, right? The t- t- tight coverage. The fact that you can bring a safety down and have the same impact as a 270 pound pass rusher. It's all these different things that, that make this defense special. Coaching schemes have a huge thing to do with it. Agreed. No, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, OSU's defense has act- this. This one is almost better than last year's, in my opinion. Um, Malcolm currently leads the league in t- the NCAA oh my and God, tackles. Yeah, what a beast! Um, I did. I looked it up yesterday for my three key takeaways. He, uh, he's on pace. He's averaging 14 tackles a game right now. He's on pa- his pace would put him just 1.92 uh, tackles per game behind. Uh, the record Luke Keekley holds at 15.92 when he played at Boston College. Craziness. It's just... Malcolm, that man, can, that man still, sticks out some contact. And he's, tell you. he's still undersized for the position, mm-hmm. but he is so good at shooting gaps. My goodness. He's, he's, he's got some strength, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, last thing. MVP of the game. Dean, you go first. Oh, jeez, MVP of the game. Well, I'm gonna, <laughs> it's tough. Uh, I'm probably going to go Mason Cobb, though. He had a tackle. Um... <laughs> You know, it's it's a sack. I think there's, short. Some, I think there's some there's some bias circulating in that that general area now. Uh, but no, I think I think player of the game or MVP of the game, it's tough. Ah, Malcolm's the easy answer. Once again, I don't sure. want to go with that. Um, I really, I honestly, this one might be a little outside the box. I really liked how Tyler Lacey played. Dang it, you took my, you took mine. All right, Sadiq. For me, it's Jaden Bray. There's obviously so many different guys, but this guy stepped up as a number one receiver. We saw against Missouri State his ball skills and his contested catchability when he went up. Here we saw him just with you know the simple slant routes, catching the ball. The one he dropped, I personally don't think that should be counted as a drop. It was, yeah, it was it was catchable technically, but if you see where. It was caught behind, and Jaden Bray, it's not like he got up and caught it with contact around him. His hands were just out there, the leverage. It's too easy for a defender to swat that away. I could have swat that away. Maybe not. But I think his impact stepping up with no Tate Martin, that was really what like put the stamp on it for me because obviously the game's impressive altogether, right? Four receptions, 84 yards, and touchdown. But the fact that he did that stepping up with no Tate Martin when you don't have that weapon out there, that's the difference for me. Yeah, um, I think... I'm gonna go Kobe Harvey O'Peel, uh, seven tackles, three solos, and half a sa- or half of a tackle for a loss. Um, I don't think OSU has, you know, he doesn't obviously show up on the stat sheet. He's second in the tackles, but it's what he does off- outside of the stat sheet. He's so so good deep in the coverage. Um, Tulsa really didn't have any long passes. They had, a, I think, a couple, like just one or two. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's two honorable mentions I think should be mentioned. Ben Kapinski had a set, his first career sack of the walk. That was a nice sack. Um, and it, it came in a very big time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another one, Tom Hutton again. I'm going to keep going. Uh, he was my player of the game last week. Seven, seven punts, 301 yards, 43-yard average with a long of 49. And it flew 50, but they had a one-yard return. So... I think OSU had a few guys who stood out, but again, this is episode six of the Turf Monsters. Chris Becker joined here with Sadiq Patuma and Dean Rule. Have a good day.